All right, ladies, gents, boys, girls, welcome to yet another episode of the First X Minutes Podcast. As always, thank you so much for always tuning in, um, listening to each episode of the podcast, and most importantly, dropping your reviews wherever you get your podcast episode from. My name is Ritimi Daramala. You can call me Papi the Great, P-A-P-I underscore The Great on Twitter. And um, for podcast content, one for the goals, O-N-E-F-O-R. T-H-E-G-O-A-L-S. Okay, we are done with the introductions and let's get to the meat of the podcast. Today, we are talking about the Italian Serie A. We are talking about all things Italian football. And um, again, I'm not alone. I've got um, a... I'll call him a fine gentleman. Is <laughs> 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 my ago in the industry... Not, I, don't, I don't like to call it an industry, Sha. Is my ago when it comes to football fandom, of course... Well knowledgeable and yeah, spoiler alert, is an Atalanta, big, big, big Atalanta fan. I don't know when Egon started supporting Atalanta though, but I know he's a Manchester United fan. I think Atalanta is a side also. <laughs> if you put it that way. <laughs> it's, good to have you, it's good to have you on board. So this is how I try to introduce my guest. I you tell us your name, uh, you tell us the team you support. I'm sure I've told everybody of course, but it'll be better to hear from your mouth. And of course, the, if there's any the team that you probably don't like, you probably don't hate, uh, you just can't stand to see them or their fans. <laughs> okay, so thank you for having me on TV. Uh, or otherwise known as Papi the Great. Uh, my name is Adriemi Adri Sawyer. Uh, I'm a sports, events, and business uh, consultant. I support Manchester United. Uh, that's my, you know, I supported Manchester United all my life. But I added Atlanta about three years ago, and that is kind of uh, due to the beautiful football that they play under uh, Gasparini. And um, not it was not intentional, really. It was more because I used to always talk a lot about them on the show, on, my, on the radio show that I do here in Lagos on Sports Express. And DG Omotoibo was like, okay, this is the team. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so just by the fact that I was always telling people that, look, go watch Atalanta. They play the best football in Europe. Yes, the team is probably terrible when it comes to defending, but they play the best football, they score a truckload of goals. So that was the attraction, and that's how I uh, kind of started supporting Atalanta. Um, teams that I hate, I hate Liverpool. Um, I can't stand Liverpool. I saw that coming. Smelly, smelly scousers, I can't stand. Um, Arsenal are another one. Very brash, disrespectful bunch. <laughs> Chelsea, another team I don't like. Of course, Manchester City because uh, they are they are both Chelsea and Manchester are, are upstarts. So ah, that's why you wow. see them behave the way they behave. So those are that's another team I do not like. Um, in Italy, I'm not too. Because, like I said, all my life I saw Manchester United, so I'm a little bit uh, probably more open-minded to teams outside. So, for instance, I can I can go to the store and probably buy the jersey of a team outside England, but I will never wear the jersey of any other team, any team in England except Manchester United. 
I have bought a Chelsea jersey before, but I wrote Manchester United for life. <laughs> so, so that just tells you how I feel. And a lot of people, because I, like I said, I've been watching Italian football since maybe since the early 90s, but I didn't support anything until lately that I started supporting Atalanta. So a lot of the guys that I know who've always supported Italian football, Italian teams, always find it strange the way we guys that follow English football treat ourselves. They are a lot more cordial when they are playing in Europe. But for those of us that support plurality, I don't want Liverpool to win anything. I don't want Arsenal to win anything. I don't want Chelsea to win. I don't want City to win anything. You know, all those teams that are supposedly United rivals. When they're in Europe, I am beefing them. I mm-hmm. want them not to win. So the guys that I am friends with that do Italian football, I always surprised. Ah, you English people, you English football fans, you guys are not. You know, they will be telling you the coefficient, you know, they, they are doing it for the coefficient. Mm. They are wishing, I say, wow, why would I be wishing a team I don't like? Why would I be wishing them well? Why would I want them to do good? You know, so uh, I think that's about it. So Liverpool can't stand. Arsenal, absolute rubbish. Chelsea and Man City, bloody upstarts. Bloody, bloody upstarts. Well, uh, I, I guess that was as in-depth as introductions go from um, the Manchester United fan that will be talking to us about Italian football. Still the first X Minutes podcast. The Italian Serie A is the last of the top five European football leagues that will be resuming later this weekend. And while all other leagues are starting on Fridays, of course, the Italian Serie A has had to put a twist to there. So they will start on Saturday. And the last game of the first match day set of games, I beg your pardon, will be played on Monday. I think AC Milan will be featuring um, in the last set of games for the match day. Now, you spoke about um, watching since the 90s, and uh, I think I'd like to take it from, from there. We, 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 we see Italian football has gone through a phase of ups and downs, ups probably in the early 2000s, featuring the likes of Milan and Juve in Champions League finals uh, um, and all of that. Where do you see Italian football now, club football now, as compared to um, the 90s? Are, are they lagging behind? Is there still a lot of work to be done as regards football on the pitch and marketing the football that is being played off the pitch? That's a, that's a really good question, um, and I'm, I'm probably going to start a little bit controversial uh, with what I will say. I actually think the Serie A is the best league in Europe at the moment um, for just the sheer level of entertainment. I think it's the best league in Europe today. Uh, I think in the last five, six years, Serie A has been responsible for the most goals scored, you know, in a league. I think averagely they have the best record. Um, yes, unfortunately, on the European scene, they are not doing as well as you know they would love to. Um, since Jose Mourinho's Inter, um, you know, the Champions League, none has been able to achieve that much uh, success in the Champions League. Uh, won a treble and um, Allegri at Juventus, with Juventus' dominance uh, of the Scudetto over the last 10 years, 
They beat the two finals and they lost the two finals to, interestingly, two Spanish teams. Um, so on the European scene, it would be nice to you know for them to do a lot better, for Italian teams to do a lot better. The football is brilliant. Um, if you're looking for a good tactical battle, it, there's no other place to go to other than Italy. Yes, there's a cliche, you know, amongst people that Italian football is boring. It's uh, it's old, it's utterly defensive. But the good part is that um, I think that is changing. And I, and if there's anything that epitomizes that, it's their success at the Euros this past summer. Mm. Uh, so th- this last uh, few months. So that in itself, you know, changes the entire complexion of, of the notion that people have about, uh, about the Syria. Um, the problem I also have is the commercial part. I think that the Syria can do a lot more, they can do a lot better on the commercial front. Mm. Uh, I, I, I'm in a Syrian group called uh, Calcio Square, and I'm always yapping them that, look, okay, whilst I support Atalanta, which is probably the least um, <laughs> financially stable team or the least um, endowed team in terms of finances, in mm. Italy, I I always say that look, why are you guys always coming up with these poverty stricken structures, transfer structures? Mm. I, I feel that look, you should be able to put your money where your mouth is. You you need to sign a player, go in there, just pay the money. You know? <laughs> but the Italians would not only one player. You know, <laughs> even, though, even though that's not, that, that, that no longer exists. But you're talking about, you know, just like okay, Juventus and Atalanta. Um, you know, Juventus loaned Christian Romero to Atalanta mm. for two years or with an option to buy, you know. So he's an Atalanta player for a period of two years and now Spurs have signed him. So as sports have come in, what Atlanta have done is they've quickly ensured that they sorted out that aspect of, um, you know, uh, the ownership aspect, you know, mm. and ensuring that the, the guy is 100% there. So I'm saying, look, you want to sign the player, just pay the money and move on. I do understand that, yes, there are limitations and restrictions to how much money is in. Because uh, compared to the Premier League, La Liga, I think Syria are probably fourth or fifth in terms of TV money. Although there's a new deal that I think is supposed to kick in this season or the next season that's supposed to change, supposed to change that. But still, they'll still be far behind England, Spain, and I think Germany. But then, with what has happened in France now, with Messi moving there, <laughs> it even makes it a lot difficult, more difficult for. The Syria to up the up the anti with respect to mm. uh, commercials and everything. So I think that's an aspect that I need to work really hard on. Some teams are doing very well. Juventus are you know bucking the trend. I think they just raised about uh, 400 million euros in in a private um, transaction. Um, Milan since Gazidis got there, they've expanded their commercial footprint. And you know, he signed on more commercial partners for them. Atlanta do some excellent business in the market, you know, with you know, finding those diamond in the rough tag with the talent and then selling them for a huge premium. 
So that aspect is what I really would like Syria to step up. And of course, picture quality is another one. Uh, picture when you are watching Premier League in HD, watching La Liga's, you know, bonus together. The Syria pictures are a little bit, you know, old school. So I yeah, think yeah, somehow yeah. it's also something that kind of turns people off. But if you're a fan of the league, you, you won't bother about the pictures. <laughs> you go ahead and watch. So that's what I would like to change. Or I, yeah. I would like to change. Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, he mentioned something about a new deal, and I just had to quickly look that up. Uh, in, according to Reuters, in March 26th, um, DAZN um, entered Italian so, market. Yeah. Yes, and they got they, they offered 2.95 billion dollars for the right to screen all Syria matches in the between the 2021 to 2024 period, and um, yeah. including exclusive rights for seven out of 10 games per match day. That's according to Reuters via their sources. Um, and I think that is a big deal for um, Italian football. At least there can be that influx of money and they can have ideas um, as regards pushing the, the, the Italian football, club football market, not just to Italians, but of course, not just to Europeans, but across the globe. Now, as we enter a new um, football season, I'm tempted to talk about, let's talk about a little bit uh, about where we are coming from as regards the 2020-2021 season and um, what happened at the tail end. Now, for me, I think one of my most exciting games that I watched has to be the UVA, um, UVA Inter Milan game where mm. we all thought Inter Milan would do the needful and Juventus came and then just, you know, just did magic. Another one has to be Roma 3, um, AS Roma 3, AC Milan 3, um, Torino 0, AC Milan 7, uh, so many amazing games that happened during the period. Now, for a while, AC Milan were top of the table, slipped up, and Inter Milan took over. For you, did Inter Milan um, was Inter Milan the outright best side in Italian club football last season, or do you think they just took advantage of the normal drama that will usually happen during a football season? You want me to be partial here? Yeah. I think the best team, <laughs> the best team in Italy is Atalanta. Uh, <laughs> in the best football, but being serious, I think Inter will miles ahead of every other person. Mm. Um, with the the thing with AC Milan was that what I was eventually going to find is level. Mm. Yeah. Um, if you ask any Milan fan out there at the start of last season, all they wanted was just to finish in the top four so they could go back into the Champions League, Champions League. obviously earn some more money you know, some extra cash and see how they can even grow and become a mainstay in that competition again they're the most successful team in the Champions League in Italy so um, them missing out of the competition all this was something that they were really keen to do so all the while they were top of the table you could see all the Milan fans that I had that I know you know we're holding their breath and like, you know, how long can we be here for? Mm. But you know that once contest team kicked into gear, once Lukaku found his range and Lotaro, once that partnership built up, and players like Barella stepped into the fore, and eventually Ericsson also kicking in at some point, you knew that Inter were Marseille. And of course, because of the issues at Juventus, you know, uh, going with Andre Pirlo and, and all that, you just knew from the get-go that Inter were going to somehow um, bamboozle their way 
to the title. So I wasn't surprised. She said, that's the painful thing about now this season. We're going to have to start looking at the entire league structure from a different perspective because of the changes that have happened uh, this summer. Speaking of changes that happened that have happened this summer, let's let me quickly touch on one of the um, one of our points of, of discussion that we had just before I drafted it just before we started the, the conversation, and um, that has to be the movements in and out for the various clubs. For you, so far, um, as of the time we are recording this um, conversation, that's the 18th of August 2021. Which Italian team has? Won the transfer window so far? Has it? <laughs> ah, which Italian team was Atalanta? <laughs> <laughs> Everything is always going to come back to Atalanta. How? No, you see, look, just look at the business Atalanta are doing. Um, they've sold um, Christian Romero for 50 million euros. That's a lot of money. Mm. They've Gotten Demiral for maybe half that amount or thereabout, you know, to to plug in that that potential gap. They're they're scouring Europe and getting some, you know, guys that are not so well known, but when they get on the pitch, you'll be like, wow. I would say Atlanta because if they're able to keep Duvan Zapata. You know, by the end of the window, then I will say Atalanta have won the window. Juventus have been confusing for me, you know, uh, but then they say sometimes with Allegri, if he's not broke, don't fix it. Mm. Uh, I think he's looked at the squad and the squad is really no different from what he had before he left. You get, uh, maybe with the exception of uh, Makini, he knows Morata anyway. Uh, he's worked with Morata before. Um, so really, Atalanta got from Porta from Juventus. That's potential support or an option to Gozens. If Atalanta Gozens doesn't leave, I think Atalanta are good. Uh, Inter are vulnerable, very vulnerable right now. I think they've lost the window. Um, <clears throat> Lukaku and Akimi leaving, those are two huge losses. And then you really don't know what's going to happen with Gutierrez Martinez because Atletico Madrid and Spurs are circling. Um, you don't know what's going to happen with you know, the issues with Brozovic wanting to sign the new deal. They was offer Barella a new deal. So you really don't know what's going to happen at Inter. They're very vulnerable. The owners have financial issues, so they need to find a middle ground. Milan are shocking for me because I felt that finishing second, there should be a bit of a difference in in the transfer approach. But they haven't haven't inspired me with the kind of um, transfers that they're, you know, the the transactions that they're doing. So that's another word for me. I think there's a bit of, um, there's a bit of uh, an inhibition somehow in the entire transfer landscape in Syria. Everybody's just looking at, look, who can I hold on to first, right? <laughs> Before, you know, trying to get somebody in. Looking at, look at Saria Lazio, for instance, you know, he hasn't really done any inspiring business. Look at Spalletti at Napoli as well, you know, mm-hmm. nothing too, you know, inspiring. 
to make you start saying, wow, in fact, interestingly, uh, I did the preview on Syria yesterday and I've actually forgotten about Napoli. You know? Because <laughs> they haven't really done anything to inspire you. So, if you're looking generally, I think it's level. I think it's level. And like I said, if Atalanta can keep Gozos and Zapata with the money that they've made this window, I think they won the, they won the transfer market. I guess um, you just touched on, like you used one bird to kill two stones and the point of touching on, okay, the biggest winners um, from the transfer window so far. And of course, potentially you've spoken about teams that have lost key players and um, how that might just affect them going forward in the rest of the league. And speaking of the rest of the league, it's been, I can tag this league this season as the managerial merry-go-round season because it's it's been all over the place. If you're not really keeping close attention to everything that's going on, it might it might just make your head twirl. Now, for oh, context's yes. sake, um, Isabio Di Francesco was um, um, a Cal- Cagliari manager and um, he has moved to Hellas Verona. Now, the Lazio manager is now the Inter Milan manager. Of course, mm. Allegri and Spalletti, who are are definitely they are not new to Italian club football. They are back allegory for Juventus and of course Spalletti um as mentioned earlier for Napoli. Now Mourinho is also Jose Mourinho, a certain Jose Mourinho is also back <laughs> in the mix. What can we expect from the managerial tactical superiority point of view from the Italian Serie A this season? Let me first say this that um Whilst nothing exciting has happened on the player transfer front, the excitement has been on the managerial front. Managers delivered by mutual consent, those their contract ended, and then the one that was uh, sacked, which is Andrew Pielo. Mm. Um, the excitement has been on which manager is going to land here, which one is going to drop <laughs> here. You know? So that's where the excitement has been. Mm. been. I'm not on the players', on players. The players front. Um, it's going to be, I think this is probably be the most open Serie A season in a long time. Mm. In a very, I think this is going to be the most open. Why am I saying so? Because of all this shuffling, right? Only two managers, okay, let me add my, sorry, only three managers, right? I've won the title before here. And that's, sorry. Uh, Murillo and Allegri. Now, unlike last season, where you had Conte, you had um, Izagi, you had Pelo, but because of the experience that Juventus had, people still had Juventus under their breath. Now, because you're not sure what you're going to get with some of these managers and some of the guys that are coming on board, you would tend to see that, yeah, it's probably going to be a very open season. And I think that we will not know how the league will shape up until maybe sometime in October, when the teams should have been a little bit more settled. Mm. Because now nobody knows who is still going. You still have about um, 12 days or thereabout, or 13 days or thereabout, to the end of the window. So a lot of things can still happen. 
you know, um, Moreno, for instance, has gone to sign Tammy Abraham as a replacement for Edizeko. Edizeko popped up at Inter. Um, I was wondering for a minute. <laughs> you were wondering for a minute. Was... I was wondering for a minute why, of all players, Inter is opting for Edizeko. You see, that's why I said that it's a bit confusing. Um, and it's a function of money. Jekko is the easy option, is the cheaper option for mm. them. But the rumor is they're still looking at Zapata. And this is where I'm, I get a bit crazy with Italian teams. They're looking at Zapata, but you know, Atalanta, you have to stomp up the cash mm-hmm. if you want their player. Now they're proposing maybe 5 million euros loan deal and then with an option to buy for maybe 40 million euros or something wow, like that really? and i'm like come on if you are serious that you need a striker just pay the cash but right. then you look at you realize that inter have financial issues and they've made over 100 million euros this window in the sale of akimi and Lukaku. That 100 million euros, they want to apply back into the business to clear their debts. So they are not looking to spend much of that money. So that's why Jekyll was the right option for them to go. There's a, a rumor broke yesterday that they're looking at Vegas, uh, Vegas of uh, Wolfsburg. Okay. I think it's a small screen. I'm not sure he fits the bill for the kind of striker they're looking at. But they need to stop the gaps because something keeps telling me that something big might still come up for Lutero Martinez. And the way these Sunni guys are operating, if you bring the money, they will sell the player. <laughs> you know, because they told everybody that Akimi, they just need to sell one player. They just need to sell one player above 50 million euros. And they sold Akimi. But what happened? A big came in for Lukaku. And they didn't hesitate to sell him. Mm. So that's where the issue is. So I do think that it will be probably the most open to their season league campaign in a long time. Because everybody that is here, and I'm talking the big teams, Inter, Juve uh, with Allegri, um, Milan, you really don't know what you're going to get because Latin has been injured. Up front, they're a bit funny. With Rebic and Rafael. So you're not you're not too sure. So um of course there's Mourinho, you don't know what you're going to get with him. If he gets a good run and they can find some joy, he's he's somebody that you can't write off. Even though uh, most of the guys that I know, with the exception of maybe one or two, have completely written off Mourinho and don't think he can anything good can come out of him. Sari at Lazio will be very interesting to see what he does with Ciro Mobile. If they lose Korea, I think that would be a big miss. Mm, mm. But with uh, uh, Savage and Luis Alberto, I think um, if they keep building the team around those two guys, I think Lazio could also be in the equation. But from a defensive standpoint, I think Lazio are also quite suspect. And that's one thing they need to also. Uh, so, to be very, very open season, and of course, very interesting as well. And please go right off Atalanta. Yeah, Atalanta had to make 
a re-entry into all the conversation. Well, that's where you know that you're talking to um, somebody, a football fan who takes um, his supportership of Atalanta very, very serious. He has spoken to us about how this is going to be one of the most open Italian Serie A seasons in a long time and you, you, yeah, we can possibly tie that to the managerial merry-go-round however i'd like to to also look at it from this standpoint and i'll also be bringing you in now um i think six players scored 20 or more goals in the italian Serie A last season cristiano ronaldo of course with going on with the golden boat but there was romelu lukaku uh, Muriel of Atalanta, uh, Vlahovic of Fiorentina, Immobile, and of course, Simi Wankwo, who I heard last week um, is having his medicals and will be joining Salernitana. Now, for you, how do you describe a player who scored 20 of the 45 goals that Crotone scored last season? Um, you know, but player, and this is the funny thing about him, and I, and, I, and I will say, I have to also kind of apologize to him. I was one of his biggest critics when he made the Nigerian national team um, to the World Cup in 2018. I was like, why? At the expense of a guy who was playing on the local team, but also scored 20 plot goals, John Lukaku. That's the John Lukaku, John Lukosa. Lukosa. So, <laughs> so for Simi. It was like, you know, this guy really, what does he bring? But he showed us in a team that is struggling, that he can actually carry oh, that team on, on his back. And he held his own, despite the struggles of controlling. And he's that kind of striker. Unfortunately, he's moving to another a team that is just getting promoted. If he can replicate the same output, right, then is not far from making that step up to at least a mid-table team. It would have been good to do that now, but then you really don't know what the complexion of um, the negotiations or the interest. I read somewhere that sports were interested. You really don't know how to know how transfer rumors fly mm. over the place. It's silly season. But I do think that he can replicate that same performance from last season at Salantana, then he's just about to make that next step up to a mid-table team. And I will be giving him my full 100% support. I like what he brings to the team. He was the designated penalty taker for Kutone. Uh, um, his finishing is good, good in the air, good in the box, very good hold-up play. It'll be nice to see how he adapts at Salantana and see what he can contribute um, mm. to that team. Contribute to that team. Speaking of contribution, um, there were a whole lot of a host of other players who managed to get goals in the double digits, and some of them that really caught my attention last season. Um, we have to mention, I have to give key mention to a Milan player who did his bit going forward and was always present when it comes to either disrupting the flow of play of the opposition or threading passes to the strikers who do the need for. I'm talking about. Ivorian Frank Kessie was really immense for AC Milan. I, I dare say he was probably their biggest player um, yeah. in the 2020-2021 yeah. season. Now, if we if we if we are to move things forward a bit, we've we've been mentioning players for the past five ten minutes thereabout. 
for you, which are the three biggest? I know an Atlanta player will make it one way or the other, hook or crook, into this list, but that's fine. Uh, which of the three players currently playing their trades in the Italian Serie A do you think are the biggest names that fans should watch out for um, this season? Hmm. Uh, well, since you said Atlanta, I think number one was Slamaninovsky. Mm. Slamaninovsky, for me, um, guy packs a punch. A lot of energy. You know, so it's interesting that last season after Atlanta lost uh, Papu Gomez, there was a lot of talk that you know the team was going to suffer. Where would the creativity and the leadership come from? And Gasparini was able to now vary his approach, and which eventually brought the best out of the likes of uh, Malinowski. So Malinowski is one of such. Uh, there are the likes of uh, Kovalenko, who's uh, at Atlanta. There's uh, Lamas, who's still at Atlanta. Um, you know, a few guys that a lot of people probably don't know about, but they're just there. Mm. Uh, other players to look out for. I'm still saying Barella. I think Barella is probably my favorite midfielder. Um, I would say existing players or players who are probably new on the scene that we should be looking out for, or just generally existing players. Generally, we think still have a really good season. And generally, combined plus the new, both the new and the um, the ones that are already existing. Okay, so I think Barella will continue to have you know, a great time. It would be, be nice to see how uh, Simone Zaghi deploys him. Under um, mm. Conte, he, he was that player, a lot of energy and always finding his way into the box late to score you know, those odd goals. Um, very good eye for goal. So it would be nice to see what happens with him. Um, at uh, Torino, <laughs> I have a friend that's supposed to know. Real one. It would be nice to see what Belotti can do this season. Um, they somehow held up to him. They brought in uh, Ivan Juric, who did an excellent job at Ellis Barona. Mm. It would be nice to see what, what Belotti can do uh, for Torino. Can he carry this team on the shoulder from the disappointments of, um, of last season? Uh, another guy that I would like to see is Dasgard from uh, the Danish guy at Sampdoria. After such an excellent Euros, it would be nice to see if he can keep that same level of, uh, of activity. At Atalanta, again, another one is uh, uh, the fullback or the wingback, Joas uh, Müller, the Danish player. He was really good at the Euros as well. It'd be good to see if he can also keep that same level. He's having to, he can play both on the right and on the left. Uh, there's Atterborough to worry about and there's Gozins on the left as well to worry about. So it'd be nice to see if, how it breaks into the team. And of course, from a Nigerian perspective, there's no how we should have this concern without mentioning from a Nigerian perspective. Mm. Victor Sime just hit double figures, you know, towards the end of the season after a tough season with COVID and injuries and all that. It'd be nice to see how it does under. Luciano Spalletti. Um, if he can the goals, if he can do 15 goals this season, 15 Serie goals, I think that that would be a very decent uh, campaign for him that he can then keep building up. Some people will say 15 goals for a striker that go for 70 million euros, but then you know, uh, I think for a young man, if he can be fit, if he can keep fit, the influence of uh, Lorenzo Insigne and that team, of course. Peter uh, Zielinski 
will be key. So, and the likes of Politano. So, it would be nice to see if Osime can do 15 goals, you know, have an improvement on the Serie A from terms of goals that he contributes. Still the first X-Minutes podcast, I have DME Adesanya, a big Manchester United fan who has chosen to make fanship of a fandom of Atalanta a side. Well, with the way he is so into the side, I, I, I don't think it's a side also anymore. I think, I think well, it's, it's, it's becoming more mainstay now. More? Yeah, exactly. So we have the... He's uh, like married the several wife. Yeah, 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 I was even going to describe it. In, you know, you know, I'm a content person. I'm going to describe it in content-wise. So I think Manchester United is the um, d- traditional um, media yeah. channel that you know. You know, our TV, radio, newspaper, and of course, in Atlanta is that OTT online streaming streaming <laughs> platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter that just snuck in at the turn of the decade and say, oh, we're here. Uh, like, oh yeah, so so we watch TV. Definitely, we enjoy TV. But then again, for our getaway. You know, we like to scroll on Instagram and Twitter. So maybe that's yeah. what Uncle Yemi is up to. He spoke about Torino and um, that leads me to my next question. So in the 2020, let me give you um, context for context sake. So in 2018, 2019, Torino had a fantastic season. Oh, yeah. They finished in seventh. There was a lot of talk about Bellotti banging in the goals. I, I thought it was even going to move at some point in time. And um, yes, the Torino derby was usually fun to watch them because you trust Torino will give Juventus a run for their money. For those who do, for those who are wondering, yes, with the Italian football is not all about the Derby della Madonnina or the Italian <laughs> Derby. There are also those little, little Derby, just like the Turin Derby. Now, in the 2019-2020 season, there was a huge decline. 16th, they finished on the on the log table. In this just concluded season, they survived, finishing 17th in the Italian Serie A table. And I just want to bring you in. Um, they finished 37th uh, with 37 points. Benevento finished with 33 points. Do you see survival for Torino this season? You know, it's the like there's a downward spiral. Oh, there's a downward spiral. And um, just because of my friend, Rewa, hmm, I hope you don't get it. Rewa is a good guy. So... <laughs> For nice, insanity nice. and all that, I hope they don't get it. Uh, it's not one of those guys think, that's going to trouble. No, no, no. Rewan is a good guy. He's a good guy. Um, I think with Ivanjuri, I think I think they'll be they'll be a lot better uh, this season. Uh, with the great job that he that he did at Hellas Verona, uh, I think he can bring the same thing. It's, it's difficult sometimes, when, you know, for a manager who's done well at one club to replicate the same thing at another club instantly. But I think with this guy, I think he can do that. And, you know, that's the interesting thing about football sometimes, you know, striking the iron while, while it's hot. I do feel that Belotti should have left at that season where he was excellent all through. That season where they had, I think, uh, the three the three top scorers were Italians or something or, or something like that. Mm, um, mm. I think he should have left that season. Uh, but then they wanted to max out whatever it is they could get out of him. But then he stayed, he's captain of the team. I think they'll be they'll be a lot better this year. I expect them to be a lot better this year. Um, but we just have to wait and see. With Zurich, you know they kind of uh, get a very strong, hardworking team, but also very good on the front foot on another creative end. So I, I think they'll be fine. Hmm. Speaking of um, 
Yeah, just like um, to- Torino players in that season, um, Bellotti was incredible. Scored 15 goals for um, for Torino in, in 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 that season, and there's been a whole lot of talk about what could be. Um, the the future that is ahead. I mean, when you move from 17th and then the next season you move to 16th and then the next season you move to 17th. I mean, we're just being numbers numbers guys here. And we're saying, hey, maybe maybe not the future is so bright or not so bright for um, Torino. Now let's move on to the um, the. Let's just round the corner as we drive this one to and um, bring it to a close. And um, for you, I have four one question now and four involves four teams: Napoli, Juventus, Atalanta, AC Milan. Which team should finish highest at the end of this season? I'm sure you know the answer. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay, let me let me make it more exciting. Atalanta AC Milan. We knew the struggle last season. Which one yeah. will finish higher this season? Atalanta for the Scudetto. Uh, why did I even? <laughs> you heard it yeah. first. <laughs> Atalanta for the Scudetto. Oh God. Okay. All right. Look, I'm, okay. I'm only I look. Let's. Yes, I'm a fan and, and, and all that, you know, good stuff. But all I see in all the other teams is Toma. Toma, Inter, Juventus are looking for an identity. Well, they find the silent side, uh, Lucatelli, good for them. They can mix up their midfield differently this season. Uh, but, you know, there's uncertainty with Ronaldo, even though he's come out to, you know, dispel all that. Uh, Diabala, he doesn't know what place he holds in the team. Morata, I think there's a huge decline with him with respect to the number of goals he's delivering for a striker of so-called caliber that he's supposed to, you know, be. Um, Milan, like I said, the business that they've done hasn't been inspiring for me. So I just feel that uh, there's an opportunity for someone. That's what it should be at Atlanta to just sneak into to a Scudetto title. That that's how I feel. Yeah. That's what I feel. Let's move away from fandom and everything. I just feel that if if Atlanta can keep Zapata, Gozos, and keep this, thing, you know, Illicic was rumored to be on his way to Milan, but they eventually, you know, uh, found oh. way to hold on to it. You know, so if they keep this team, let's forget about the guys that have left already, right? They've adequately more or less replaced those guys. That's mm. why I think this is a good opportunity. Yes, but Gasparini hasn't won anything, you know, you know, of root in, in, in Nigeria career. But you never know. Napoli are also a, a very interesting proposition. Like I told, you, I said because I'm not so inspired, I actually forgot them in one of the previews I was doing. <laughs> but like I said, for Sime. The form that Lorenzo is seeing it is coming from the Euros, Zielinski, Politano, you know, those guys. Napoli might also have a chance. So I'm just saying, I just think it's open for any of Atalanta, Napoli, Inter, Juve, Lazio, and uh, Milan, and Roma. Those seven. It's open. You don't know what you're going to get with Jose Mourinho. You really don't know. If, if, if um, is Zagulo kicks in and has backs of the talent, it's tough coming off a serious injury. 
But if he comes back and just hits, even if it's 70% of the ability that we know that he can, he can drive that team forward. And if Tammy, for any reason, you know, kicks into gear and is able to deliver the goals, of course, with the creativity of Mkhitaryan, <clears throat> and, and if they can also solve their problems at the back, they brought in Rupatricio in gold, who is a very decent goalkeeper, probably better than all the goalies they've had since uh, Chesney and Allison. You know, so they also have a good opportunity. I think it's a very, very, very open season for anybody to sneak in and get the title. Speaking of sneaking in, there will be players who will be sneaking in and out of the Syria sites before the transfer window closes. But whether the transfer window closes or not, we are going to be having the 2021-2022 season resume this weekend. And I think one game that I'm looking out for has to be the clash between AS Roma and um, Fiorentina. It's always feisty, no doubt about that. And yes, there's a certain Portuguese gaffer who will now be involved in the fun in that game now let's take things to europe you know at, at the beginning of the show you spoke about how your italian fans always talk to you about coefficients on the continental scene and and all of that now for you with all the sides that are involved in the uefa champions league and the uefa league let me let me drop this the question this way which team do you think will go the furthest in the uefa italian team now will go the furthest in the uefa champions league and the uefa europa league um, hmm. Last season, um, Atalanta got knocked out early in the, I think, first knock around. Um, they were in a group in Liverpool, but they came out of that group. That's why losing at home to Liverpool's candidacy. Um, Juve lost at home. They were knocked out by Porto, surprisingly. Inter couldn't even get out of their group. Um, Milan. Puffed and puffed in the Europa League. Eventually, uh, they got knocked out. Ah, who would go farthest? So, uh, Lazio had the uh, is it bad luck last time uh, that they, I think they were drawn with Bayern. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. That crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that didn't work. That didn't work out well for them. So if you're looking at this year. Who will go farthest? In the Champions League, it has to be Juventus again. Um, um, Milan, like I said, that business just hasn't inspired me. Mm. Um, Atalanta, I think they're getting comfortable with playing in the Champions League. Getting comfortable with playing, you know, that le- at that level. So you 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 have to say yeah you know I think Juventus and um, Atalanta will go the farthest in the Champions League for um, uh, what's it called now um, for the Serie A teams for the champ for the Europa League Napoli. It'd be nice to see how they approach it. I, I think they always approach the Champions and the Europa League a lot different from the way the English teams approach it. The English teams sometimes approach it as like an inconvenience. Um, but the Italian teams, you know, kind of approach it a, a bit a bit different. Mm. So I think I think Napoli are 
you know, decent enough with the squad that they have um, to be able to go through. Um, how far? Because it's a, the Europa League is a treacherous competition. Probably the hardest to win, and UEFA have made it worse by having this Conference League. Confusing Conference League. Yeah, confusing Conference League. If I'm having to scratch my head, thinking, come, who's, who's where? You know, <laughs> not this, this question. So, I think, I think Liverpool will be fine. But if we're looking generally, in the general context of it, I think Juventus and Atalanta will be the best two teams to fly the flag for um, for Italy. If you're wondering about the most said word or phrase in this conversation, we've been talking for um, the past 45 minutes, I can boldly say, has to be Atalanta. I mean, Atalanta <laughs> had a way to feature in every response that Uncle Yemi gave in this episode of the first X Minutes podcast. And I would like to thank him so, so much for taking our time to join us to talk about um, Italian club football, which will be resuming, kicking off the new season this weekend. I'm tempted to ask him because some people are listening in and say, OK, you know what? Let me listen to this um, this um, analyst slash football fan who knows so much about um, Italian football. And let me see, maybe I can find one side to support. For their sake, I want to ask you, which team should I support? But I know the answer already, so I, I, I will not ask you. And if you have listened thus far, I think you can already guess that the answer to that question. But sir, before you go, where can fans find you, your work, their website, profile, where they can engage with you, where they can interact with you? It's Twitter, even though it's bank, but we're still using it. At YMTM442. Come and catch me in my house with the car. <laughs> 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 At the TM442. Yeah, I just started using Instagram as well. Okay. I, I write for Prost International, uh, UK based uh, sports uh, website. Mm-hmm. And I also do uh, Football Fit NG. You can look out for my team of the week every Tuesday. And I'm on radio on Classic FM in the mornings, uh, 7.30, uh, Monday, to, Monday, Tuesday and Thursday for Sports Express. And then we, we also have a podcast, but let me not dilute that. But that's basically oh, what yeah. you can find. I, when I was thinking of this this conversation early this morning, I thought I was going to share a very short, very short story um, before I let um, okay, we go have his dinner. So... In 2018, I started this podcast, the first X Minutes podcast, and I have to say, your podcast, 90 Minutes and More, was the the podcast that inspired me, aside the other podcasts, of course, to kickstart my own. And the very first episode I listened to, the first question I asked myself is, who records a podcast for 90 minutes and more? How do you even do that? But then again, three years in, and then I realized that, look, Content is content. People want to enjoy it regardless of how long or regardless of how short it, it, it is. Thank you so much for being an inspiration for young and upco- young and upcoming football fan like me. And um, thank you so much for always showing us the way whenever um, you have the opportunity to. Of course, thank you for the platform too on YouTube that day when we had to talk about 
Oh, there was a little talk about. I think yeah, talk about uh, esports. In, uh, esports, yes. Oh, yes, um, exactly. Exactly. You, thank you so much. Thank you for saying that. I, I will I, say you also you also inspire me a lot uh, with how you drive content, content composition, ceramic content, and why it is that we need to embrace content creation in our sports generally, especially from the local scene, from the mm. domestic football scene, our clubs and their irresponsibility towards um, creating content and embracing content as a means to grow in their brand. You know, uh, so we inspire me with some of the conversations you you have as well. So I, I guess it's a mutual thing. So you're also asking for which teams people should look out for to support. <laughs> I gave I gave Sassuolo last season, and I'm sure they didn't disappoint, right? Yeah, they didn't. But that has changed now because uh, Roberto De Zerbi has moved to Shakhtar. Uh, yeah. So, if you're looking for a team to go for, I think you should look at Florentina this year. Uh, they have Vicenzo Italiano, former manager at uh, Spezia. I think you should look out for Florentina, especially whether even if they whether they get to lose Vlaovic or not, I think that's another thing people should watch. I think Spencer played some really good football uh, last year. And note, when I talk about teams to follow, I don't talk about the big teams. Mm. That's and that's the beauty of Italian football. There are mid-table teams that you know when it comes to their overall play, it's good to watch. They play some really you know good feel good football. That you would enjoy, of course, they're also very tactically astute. Um, some I, I used to like watching Spezia, that's how I started watching Atalanta, and then I started watching Sassuolo. Elas Verona used to be another team I used to kind of watch because very, they're very solid defensively, well structured, very compact. So, if you're looking for a team, team to follow, I think Fiorentina are the team you should follow, which is essentially Italiano. Mm. Over 15 minutes of talking Italian football. Some will call it Sibia, some will call it Calcio. Thank you so much for your time, sir, for dissecting, for also exposing Italian football to us like we've never seen it before. And if you have listened thus far, thank you so much for sticking around for this long. Please endeavor to leave a rating wherever you get your podcast episodes from. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter, one for the goals, O N E F O R T H E G O A L S. For our guest today, he's on Twitter also. Yemi TM442 Y-E-M-I-T-M 4 number 4 two fours and um, 2 speaking of podcast content of course one for the goals I'm on Twitter also at papi underscore the great P-A-P-I underscore the great whatever you'll be doing in the days ahead football club football is back in full swing pick a team support a struggle do the best you can to make the most use of your time because while life is incredibly long life is also incredibly short I'll catch you in the next episode of the podcast until then cheers my friends stay safe bye for now Thank you so much, sir. Thank you.